Howdy, all y'all podcast listeners. My name is Chris J. And I'm Sarah Bear. Welcome back to a new episode of the All Y'all Podcast. Um, before we get started, I want to say thank you to a couple of people real quickly. Our sponsors, every episode of the All Y'all Podcast in 2015 and every live event is made possible by Holiday Lanes, which is sincerely one of my favorite places to hang out. It's a bowling center. It's got a great bar in it and the biggest plate of nachos you will ever encounter in the <laughs> wild. It's called the Macho Nacho. I think we have some audio from my last visit when, what did I do, Sarah? You made a strike. I bowled a strike. How's it feel? Well, I just got my first strike of the evening, and I just want to tell everybody out there, it's about, it's about your mental dedication. It's, it's mind over matter. I walked right up to you, and I said, this is going to be the frame for me. This is going to be the frame when I get a strike tonight. And I went right out there, and I bowled a strike. There's a secret, y'all. You got to believe, y'all. If you believe, you can go out and get a strike. I also want to recognize our sponsor, Maxcentric. These guys are the only Shreveport locally owned Apple authorized service provider in Shreveport. So this is a local company that's been authorized by Apple to work on, repair, and do maintenance on your Apple products. So please go check them out. Thank you, Maxcentric and Holiday Lanes for your support. To understand the story you're going to hear in this episode of the podcast, you really need to know something about this incredible Shreveport-founded and Shreveport-based company called SoftDisk. So SoftDisk was at the forefront of publishing computer programs for the earliest consumer computers like the Apple II, the Commodore 64, and the IBM PC. SoftDisk published a disk magazine that could be subscribed to via the U.S. Postal Service. Yes, that's right. You got it in the mail, like your postman brought it to you. These mail subscriptions were basically how users got games and software before you could buy them on the internet. This was the ecosystem that gave birth to a game you may have heard of called Doom. Our storyteller, Stephen Vacovius, was there as a teenager to watch this all unfold. There's one thing that Stephen mentions in passing in the story, and it's the term submitters. A lot of companies like Softdisk not only developed software and games, but they also took submissions from any game developers that submitted something, thereby coining the phrase submitters. We know that there is a big, amazing story wrapped up in Softdisk's history, and it's probably a crucial one to Shreveport's collective memory and history as a whole. If you or someone you know worked for Softdisk or was a client of theirs, we want to hear from you and we want to hear your story. Call the All Y'all Story Hotline and tell us more about your connection to SoftDisk. And that number is 318-582-0665. That's 318-582-0665. Or you can email us at hello at allyallblog.com. Now here's Stephen Vigovius' story, Game Changers. Chris and Sarah, thank you. Um, The story really starts about 1981. Apple Computer had come out with the Apple II. Um, IBM PC that you guys know of really wasn't quite there yet. It actually would come out later that year. Um, Everything that you've seen or you've touched now just didn't exist. Software was not readily available. Um, Just ideas were coming up. Nothing was ubiquitous about computers. They were just getting started. The same year, 1981, Here in Shreveport, not 10 years later, the same year computers came out. 
Shreveport was already there. Two men, Jim Mangum and my father, Al Vicovius, who's here tonight, started a business. And this idea was they'd write a piece of software, put it in a little mailer, send it to someone, and then they'd send a copy or another program they've written and bring it back. Well, I mean, I know all about the mailers because at that time I was about 11 years old. And these mailers came flat in a piece of cardboard. And I used to have to fold them over with a hot glue gun and put them together with my fingertips, holding this glue, seeping over, burning my fingertips, and I'd get about a nickel a piece. And so, you know, after about 20 of them, I got a buck with a bunch of burned fingers. But at the top of them, we'd stamp magnetic media, do not bend or x-ray. And I remember this like it was yesterday. Well, that didn't last long. Soft disk grew and grew fast. They ended up programming not just for the Apple II, but for the IBM, which was now becoming more mainstream. And in 1982, the Commodore came out. They programmed for it. They weren't behind. They were right on the, on the money. And then in 1984, the Macintosh came out. Discworld came out. They were right there. So soft disk grew quickly. But they exhausted a lot of the knowledge base of this esoteric programming. I mean, development still today is, is a hard thing to do. And so they had to find people. And so finding people, they looked everywhere, across the country. We got people from North Dakota. We got people from Poughkeepsie, New York. People from Maryland, Rhode Island, Delaware. People from all over moved to Shreveport to work at Soft Disk in the 80s. It was a magazine publication on diskette. They produced productivity software, and they produced utilities, and they produced some games. But because the usefulness of computers really hasn't been defined at this point, anything is possible. <clears throat> well, productivity tools, just to let you know, are things like a calculator, like a super calculator. Right now, you buy a computer. It comes with it installed. But you didn't go to the store to buy a computer for the calculator. And then, like a utility would be something like a program they came up with called DOS Man, which DOS was the operating system. There was no Windows. And it would let you look at the left-hand side of your screen of all the file structures of your computer and every file and folder that was in those file structures on the right. It sounds an awful lot like Windows, but that's kind of the image that they had of writing software. On a monthly basis, you would get this software. Well, since computers were so new and people didn't have a lot of software available, pu publishing software on a monthly basis was a, a, a novel, great idea. And it took off, and it took off for a long time. Well, they even had a slogan that said, we turn computer owners into computer users. And, and you can savor that for a minute because it kind of sounds a little bit, a little corny, but at the same time, it's a great representation of what was really going on at the time, is that people didn't know how to use these things, and the intuitiveness of them was kind of even harder. Like, how do you use them? Well, time went on, and as the usefulness of computers became more defined, games became part of that. Even to today, if you ever know any child from the ages of, of any, any age, they can literally go to the store today and try to buy a computer and design a computer around a game. Well, back in the 80s, late 80s, SoftDisk was hiring more and more people. And it, as the game structure came off, so, so did their desire to get a subscription base for games. Well, they had hired a guy named Jay Wilbur. He had come down from either Rhode Island or Connecticut, late 20s. They hired him to be the editor of the IBM product. It was called Ondis Monthly. Then Tom Hall was already there. Tom was the editor for the, I, um, sorry, the uh, softest product for the Apple. It was still in production. Um, but when Jay came down, he knew some other developers. And anything we could find, anything we could use, we would do. Well, 
Jay knew a guy named John Romero who had been publishing software with him at a company called Origin Systems, and they did this game series called the Ultima Series. And John Romero was looking for work, and he came down. Well, while they were here, um, after they hired a bunch of people, another aspect of SoftDisk was submissions, contract work, because they would allow somebody to write a program, they'd pay them for the program, and they'd republish it on their diskette, on their monthly publication. It was, I mean, it was a great idea because it saved all the work and all the, I mean, it was laborious to try to get 30 days of software written in that time frame. I mean, it's hard in a one-month time. So they would take submissions and put that content on the disk and send it out. It was great. Well, one guy that submitted to SoftDisk for the Apple, his name was John Carmack, and he wrote games specifically. Uh, two games I remember was called Tennis and one was called Wraith. Well, as these guys assembled at SoftDisk, they decided to move into this gaming market, and because the natural progression of having these developers that had experience with games was there, they began a program, I mean, a product line called Gamer's Edge. Now, Gamer's Edge was headed by a guy named Lane Roth. He, I think he was from California. I, I don't remember exactly, so if you see his name somewhere, you may just Google it and see where he was from. But he was the editor. And so these guys would assemble to start writing monthly publications of games. But there was a little bit more to it. Al, the owner at this point, wanted to have not just games, but also have demos of other games on this. So it was a bigger idea. But at the same time, SoftDisk was also looking for a big hit. I mean, because gaming was taking off fast at this point. Well, during this time, this, I was now working from these mailers to the mailroom, where I had been now for five or six years after school. I worked there every day, all through middle school and high school and on, and I was now working in the art department. Well, I was the owner's son, and being the owner's son, you're one of two things. You, you, it's subjective, I realize that, but you really are. You, you're either unwarranted or you're a spy. <laughs> and so when I walked in a room, everybody got quiet, not a peep. And so I would just kind of sit and observe and ask questions. And, and these people at Softest by now, they were so unique. I mean, these were very unique people. I mean, I remember their desks had little figurines of Star Wars action figures. And I mean, one of them, Tom Hall, for instance, introduced me to Calvin and Hobbes. And, and they were just, they were into these subcultures of things. It was just fun to be around them. And I've been around them my whole life. Well, John Romero was there. And like I said, I was in the art department at this point. And he says to me, he said, hey, we're going to start a business with your dad. And I said, okay, this is great. I got an opportunity. I don't have to tell my dad. That'll prove I'm not a spy, but he's asking me to do something. All right, what can I do? He said, well, we'd like you to design the logo. I said, okay, what's the name of the business? He said, the name of the business is Ideas from the Deep. I said, okay, I can work with that. So that night I went back home and I started drawing. And I drew out what I thought would be a cool logo. It was a kind of this abyss, bottom of the ocean scene with a light bulb kind of illuminating from the bottom. I thought it'd be kind of cool. But I came back to Softest the next day, and Car I'm sorry, Romero never really asked for it again, which part of me was okay with that because half of me was, okay, I'm glad I didn't ask, but I also didn't want to show it to him because if you've ever drawn anything in any regard, regardless of how talented you are, you kind of always feel like it's not good enough. You think, well, I could probably do a little better. You know, I know I can. And so you don't, you're kind of bashful about it. You don't really want to show it. So I was totally cool with him not asking. <laughs> so time would go on. And I would later tell my dad, hey, you know, this was two weeks ago when I told him. I said, hey, Romero asked me to draw something for this business y'all were going to start. And what happened? And he said, well, 
He said it only took about three days for this identity separation to occur. And what he was talking about was this game development team that Softdisk had created to write games specifically for Softdisk and publish them and did, decided that they wanted to create their own business model and their business image. And so they became a team called id Software. Now id Software may not mean a lot to you guys and that's, that's fine, it's a, it's a game development team that ended up writing uh, amazing games, but they started right here in Shreveport. And so during, this, pr during this, this progress, this time of transitioning into more and more advanced technologies, the computers themselves were still moving. So by now, we're at 16 colors on a monitor. And now we're almost at 256 colors on a monitor. So 16 color EGA is what it was called. They wrote a game and they would write these little side-scrolling engines like Mario and they would, we would publish them. But they were working here in Shreveport. I mean, this all started at 3811 St. Vincent, just a few blocks from here. And by this time, we're just a few miles down the road. And we're writing this, these, and they were writing these games. And um, the first 3D technology game was, had been produced. They had come up with it from a conversation with Al, and John Carmack had a conversation. Romero had talked to some guys at the, at a, at the Looking Glass company, and they were writing some games for them. And then there was some other talk, and it was just kind of this collaboration of what they were gonna do next. And out comes this game called Hover Tank 3D. It's just this simple game where you walk through a maze with a gun, and not much color, not much to it. And immediately following it came out the Catacomb series, both of which were birthed right here in Shreveport. And so, time would go on, the id boys, as we were common, they were commonly known that in my family as the id boys, they would move on, they would, right now we're writing games for Softdisk, living here in Shreveport, just right out there on the lake. And they left for a while, and then we would see John Carmack again, because all this technology was really built around this engine that he would develop. He came back uh, about 93, I remember, because I was there. By this time I'm doing, I've changed from art department, now I'm doing game design, level design, to finish off the Gamer's Edge series, which the id boys didn't finish. So now I'm finishing this series, and I'm writing games, I'm sorry, I'm writing levels for this game, Dangerous Dave, and the, um, Dangerous Dave Goes Nuts. And so, <laughs> I remember the day, I, it, was, it was February, February 1993, and Carmack comes over, and he brings to us a little floppy disk. And he left it with soft disk, and I remember seeing it, and it was the alpha version of Doom. And what the alpha version is, is it's when you're publishing software for any software, regardless if it's a game, or if it's a productivity tool or anything, you start writing it, and your proof of concept phase where you're trying to figure out what all the features can do, that's maybe considered alpha. Beta is when you're actually creating a game and you've heard of beta testers maybe, that's when you can actually test the game and make sure that there's no bugs in it. But this alpha phase was 10 months before the release. Well, I remember looking at this game and thinking, my goodness, I'm in a movie. You could see the ceiling, you could see the floors and all the changes and everything was different. And you can just, rem I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is gonna be big. I, you're gonna read about this in a magazine. I remember thinking. <laughs> and I thought, oh my, I mean, and now I look back, I, I feel embarrassed at how grossly underestimating I was that this technology would be so popular. Well, Carmack would go back to Dallas. Softdisk and Shreveport would be known at this point, just a few miles down the road, as the birthplace of 3D gaming technology. And that's where the story is. Thank you.
Yeah. yeah. Oh, I left out two very important things. Oh, tell us what they because are. Because actually, somebody brought it up to me the other day. Jeremy, this guy Jeremy, he said, you know, there was um, there was some relationship between those guys and LSUS. And I was like, oh, that's right. I remember the night I forgot to talk about Adrian Carmack and Kevin Cloud. Both are from Shreveport, and both were the artists. And I had it all this whole cool thing I was going to say, and I forgot. What was it? Well, that Adrian. So Adrian got hired on at Softest because the Id Boys were asking for an artist. They wanted more artwork. But so my dad literally hired Adrian as a part-time student from a part-time job as a student at LSUS specifically to work on game development. And so Adrian, Adrian to me went down as probably with the luckiest kid I've ever met. <laughs> I mean, what a lucky person. He was handpicked just because he needed artists. Now Kevin Cloud wasn't studying art, he was studying law. But the thing I wanted to say was that isn't it interesting that, and, and I was actually going to probably do make some reference to this, is that with Bill Joyce and the movie Robots, they really commended the artistry of it and how cool it looked. And with the same with Doom. Doom kind of took everybody kind of into that world and that universe because of the artwork. That's really what separated it from the next game because it was the exact same engine. And they said, I actually talked to a guy that knows, that worked for id. I talked to him two weeks before the, the show. He said, he goes, he goes, if Adrian Carmack hadn't touched Doom, it would have looked like a, a circus, like a clown, like a clown game. Like it would have been real yellows and reds and a lot of like light, bright colors that really wouldn't have taken you into that universe. The two guys that made the game exactly what it was weren't from somewhere else. They weren't from some other city that moved to Shreveport. They were homegrown boys. I thought that was kind of cool. So Adrian Carmack really developed the way that Doom looked. Correct. And then Doom developed the way that shooters, and horror shooters specifically, but a lot of video games looked for generations to come. Well, yeah, well, it set the precedence for the way games were developed, right? I mean, they had the three-piece the three piece development tool set, right? The engine, the game engine, the artwork, and then the map design. And that was kind of how, how it actually worked out. You know, you had John Carmack doing the engine, you had Adrian Carmack, Kevin doing the art, and you had Romero doing the game design, the actual playability of the levels. But anyway, that was post Shreveport. You know, that was after Shreveport. But I thought it was so interesting is that here are the credit of these games. Granted, they were technologically advanced, mm -hmm. but still the credit gives, gets to the artwork and the artist and the visual, and they were from Shreveport. I thought that was cool. I never, I didn't say that <laughs> tonight. It is cool. Yeah. But, you're, but yeah, you're, oh, you're welcome. Some people said that my Be talk was good. I still think it was a little weak, but what am I going to do, right? I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. <laughs> None of us are. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, you can make me, make me sound better. This lady is not a parking like, no, Make she's, my she's voice not. sound really good. I can be real we'll Oh, we have a filter some, for that. It's like, sound smarter. Make me sound smarter. funny. Like, make me sound like, make me say a joke. Do you want the sound funny? Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the whole id software story and soft disk and all of that, you can check out this book that's on the All Y'all blog at allyallblog.com. We've listed a link to it. It's called Masters of Doom, and it's the whole story of the id boys. 
And please, we want to ask you a very big favor. Please share this episode of the podcast with a friend of yours. You could share it on Facebook. You could email someone. Especially if you know someone who's into video games. I feel like it's super important that we document this story because modern video games as we know them really were born right here in Shreveport, Louisiana. So and don't forget, if you know something about soft disk history, you work there, you know someone who worked there, please call the All Y'all Story hotline. It's 318 582 0665.